0: The Future is Queer is a speculative podcast that applies a queer ecology perspective to question our future. Our interest in queering ecology and exploring the future through it lies in enabling humans to imagine an infinite number of possible natures and futures along them. In the words of Alex Johnson, the living world exhibits monogamy, but it also exhibits orgies, gender transformation, and cloning. What, then, is natural? All of it. None of it. Instead of using the more-than-human world as justification for or against certain behaviors and characteristics, let's use the more-than-human world as a humbling indication of the capacity and diversity of all life on Earth. Queer ecology involves mutual contamination, encounters that affect us as changes, world-making projects, mutual worlds, and new directions may emerge. Everyone carries a history of contamination. Purity is not an option. We follow a queer ecological imagination that centers radical care work and environmental efforts without guaranteed results. Change is not linear, but messy, a network of possibilities.
1: Welcome, humans, to this EarthCast! Your host today is Juanito del Bio, Bio half human, half river, dude. I'm an anthropologist, I st- I'm studying biology, and now I'm here, I have the honor to have as a guest Nicole Seymour. Uh, she's an environmental humanist based in Southern California, and her work explores whole literature and other cultural forms, from documentary film to stand-up comedy, mediate our relationship to environmental crisis. And her area of specialization is the intersection between environmental politics and LGBTQ politics. Am I right? Is that a fitting description of yours, Nicole? Or should you add something? Like you're hum- half human, half bacteria, maybe you are <laughs> of species, I don't know. Um, I've 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 never checked actually
2: I haven't had that checked out I just always was assuming I was human But that's very normative of me
1: Thank you Nicole Today's chapter is going to be A very experimental one We're going to Make a thought experiment About the future If I tell you the future is queer Or the future is strange Which one do you prefer and why And how would you depict it
2: uh, I like the future is queer, but um, we'd have to sort of um unpack the word queer because it gets used. Um, some might argue overused. Um, and there's been a tendency in, in queer theory, uh, of which I've probably been guilty of taking queer just to mean like good, like good to us, <laughs> good to us, interesting, progressive type people, right? So let's queer this. Let's queer that. Let's queer biology. Let's queer. Uh, evolutionary science um, and I, I guess today I'm thinking a little bit more about queer as ambivalent that it's sort of um, these strange feelings um, they're not necessarily positive they're not necessarily negative they're kind of kind of in the middle so things being queer um, is things being strange but it's not it's not 100% good it's not 100% bad it's some, <laughs> somewhere in the middle it's the things that we need to to grapple
1: with so yeah it's kinda ambivalent in that sense. And so, th- uh, starting with uh, your last book, The Bad Environmentalist, uh, and some of the inspir- inspirations for that book, which is Wild Boys. Starting from this idea you're proposing of uh, uh, where nature is not only what BBC has shown us, this p- event, this paradise, but also what these Wild Boys has have shown us, maybe you could from then, like, depict uh, another possible future <laughs>
2: Well, the, so one of the things I, I did um, with Wild Boys and actually Jackass, the TV show, I wrote, I wrote a separate article, but it kind of relates to the book. And, and one of the things I talk about is how in those shows, they, um, they find ways to make humans feel like animals, uh, like non human animals. So there's a, the famous episode where Steve um, puts a fish hook through his mouth. And throws himself overboard of a, of a boat, and you have as a as a human viewer, you have these very visceral reactions to to these scenes. Obviously, you, you would you know it'd be weird if you just sat there with a straight face or whatever. Um, and so, taking this into the idea of the utopia, I think I I guess I'm less concerned. I guess my utopia would be centered around affect and forms of. Um, Forms of reactions. That's to say, I guess I don't really think about like what are the buildings going to look like, or you know, um, you know, is how much green there is, or whatever. But it's sort of like what are the feelings that we're having, and I think in a utopia, it would be we would have more opportunities to tap into the feelings of other creatures, um, non-human animals, but also other humans, right? So whether it's VR or I don't know, it's just <laughs> just people doing performance art or something. So yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about the infrastructure of you know the physical infrastructure of this utopia I'm, I'm sort of interested in like the affective infrastructure of utopia so
1: and how will that affect that uh, infrastructure look like
2: that's true yeah and certainly yeah architecture is all about affect. actually so there's a great theorist i work with named, um lucas crawford i mean I, I use his work um and he he writes about sort of queer architectures and um, one example is the the High Line in uh, New York City. It's a former, uh, actually an area where there used to be a lot of sex workers. It was sort of a rundown um, a subway line, elevated subway line. And they, um, the firm, uh, I can't think of their name right now. DNS is the uh, short name of the, the architecture firm. But anyway, so Crawford sort of talks about the ways in which uh, the path is designed to like you know have you meander rather than just moving you in a, in a straight line so right it's queer queer in the the sense of you know deviation and, and moving around and so forth so yeah I guess um, absolutely yeah and, like now you're blowing my mind of like of course the, <laughs> the infrastructure matters in terms of how it creates feelings or maybe the feelings are creating the architecture right it's a, a feedback loop um, but yeah, I don't have. I'm not gifted with like the visual imagination of, uh, to be able to to think about what is that, what does that look like. Um, but yeah, maybe this is maybe we'll figure it out by the end but, of that.
1: But hour. now we arrive to a queer urbanism with queer paths. So we got we in this queer future. There's gonna no gonna be straight path. Just queer path. Yeah, it's gonna be all <laughs> meandering like or just doing loops or spirals or whatever. So, And in that sense, I wonder, in this uncertain future, because for now it seems uncertain, this queer future, (laughs) um, how do you see all of your uh, work at at this moment uh, being reflected from the future? Will be like, wow, Nicole was uh, talking about something that actually... uh, kept developing like these people now your thoughts were developed and were actually applied to society so the environmental movement now it's full actually of queer people
2: yeah i mean i'm I'm interested in um there's something called this this um movement called hashtag plastic free pride um that has been organized by a, a group called out for sustainability um and one of the things that I think is interesting about that is, um, yeah, so I guess this is how I would see, like, my work in the future is that it's not just that there are queer people in the environmental movement, but um, there's actually a recognition that queer people have been at the forefront of environmentalism, like for decades, but they haven't really been recognized, there's been all these studies that that have shown. I mean, I mean, it's really obvious now that, <laughs> now that I say it. But um, you know, when you think about like fossil fuel culture and the way that that's connected to toxic masculinity, right? Like heteronormativity and, and heterosexual um, heterosexual norms and dominant masculinities and so forth are directly you know attached to to environmental destruction. So. Um, if we're going to have any sort of positive environment in the future, it's going to have to involve queer genders, right? Or, or queer approaches to, um, to family life, to um, relating to other people and so forth. So, yeah, so something like Plastic Free Pride sort of reminds me of um, how built into to queerness is environmentalism. Like, it's not just that they, um, it's not a coincidence that they come together. And so, um, yeah, I just, I like that that campaign is sort of imagining, like, what if we could do, like, queer liberation and not have to buy stuff, you know, what if we could, like, celebrate um, being LGBTQ and not leave a bunch of plastic Mardi Gras beads, like, in the gutters afterwards. Um, So I think... Um, moments like that or movements like that are sort of reminding us both of the queer past of environmentalism and sort of calling for a a queer future of
1: environmentalism so that reminds me of glitter
2: yes indeed (laughs)
1: like this connection between LGBTQ plus and plastic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and litter right like so is it gonna be a full of glitter (laughs) future or is it gonna be not
2: (laughs) yes but we don't yet know what the glitter is going to consist of and that's what <laughs> that's what i'm working on right now it's a, a new short book that's um public facing and it's kind of it's kind of a cultural history of glitter but i am going to do a little utopian projection in the last uh, <laughs> chapter and sort of think about um yeah if if we're moving towards ideally a more plastic-free future, what do we make glitter out of? And there's actually a bunch of companies that have, have already been doing it. So there's a, um, a company called Bioglitz, and it's I think it's like 96 percent plastic-free. It still has a little bit of plastic in it, but you know I'm not about perfectionism. It's it's about <laughs> the attempt to move in a certain direction. It doesn't have to be. You know I'm against purity politics. So. Um, but yeah, so, and BioGlitz, I think, is also really interesting, because they, they acknowledge in their advertising um, the connection between glitter and, and queer communities, so they use sort of, like, gender queer models and, and things like that, but um, so, yeah, and glitter is something that people love. It's been around since, you know, the beginning of time. People have always been attracted to shiny things and, and sparkly things, and um, so I don't think human nature is suddenly going to move away from from liking shiny sparkly things I think that will be there but maybe it's maybe the glitter is made out of flowers or maybe the glitter is um you know it's made out of eucalyptus or maybe it's made out of agar agar or maybe it's made out of algae or you know it could be made of a lot of different things and so I'm interested in sort of um yeah, sort of like the flexibility of, of different um, material categories and sort of how we can play around with those in, in the future.
1: So now I imagine like we go out, we don't walk straight because we are working in spirals, in loops. We are uh, also seeing that is everything is glittery, but it kind of glows differently, like if it was an algae. uh, And now we are here uh, feeling very queer (laughs) in the middle of this glittery wall. And yeah, from then, I think you mentioned like uh, this intersection now between this future environmental movement, queerness. And I I start imagining now and I start rethinking, and from this future I, I remember Ursula Ursula Lewin and the left hand of darkness, and I'm wondering and I look at us and I'm wondering how much is left of this ancient idea of uh, man and woman and how much uh, it's not. So are we hermaphrodites? Are we something in between? Are we asexual? Are we reproduce by cloning ourselves?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's the direction... You know, it's funny that I was saying the direction we're moving is, like, more and more plastic, and I don't know, I think I'm spiraling between, like, dystopian and utopian thinking throughout this whole conversation, so that's really cool. Um, yeah, so the the direction we've also been going, in addition to producing a lot of plastic, is more gender queer, right? Like, more and more people identify as... Um, as a gender or non-binary than than ever before, at least publicly, right? Um, these are categories that twenty years ago people wouldn't have been been using. So things feel um, progressive, I guess, in that in that sense. Um, but I also, I mean, that's also some people's dystopia, and we have to be very like cognizant. There are some people that are very attached to their gender, and they they should not be deprived of the, the right to. Um, you know, hold fast to gender as long as um, I guess the utopian version would be as long as you're not um preventing anyone else from you know your attachment to gender should not uh, uh make other people be be attached to gender, um, yeah, and and this has been a thing in in sci-fi for a long time, right? Like Octavia Butler and um, you know, just thinking of different ways to um to do gender, different ways to to reproduce, and um, you know, I guess going back to the architecture thing, I think we would have to have, I had a great um, student, grad student, write a paper once about how um, at our university, and probably most universities and most institutions, men and women's bathrooms are, at least in the U.S., I think maybe in Germany, men and women's bathrooms are next to each other, but in the U.S., they are on the opposite side of a floor, right? So if you're on the fourth floor, and you're trying to find the bathroom you find the men's bathroom and then you're like oh the women's bathroom must be on the other side of the building right and so then you like walk over there and so in her argument I mean maybe it sounds very obvious but I thought it was sort of brilliant which is the ways in which um infrastructure is teaching us that not just that genders are separate but they are opposite right that they are (laughs) completely opposite they can't even be near each other because god knows what would happen um Germany, again, doesn't seem to have that problem. It seems like the men and women's restrooms are always right next to each other. Anyway, so the point is, um, yes, going back to our queer uh, utopian infrastructures, um, you certainly could identify as a man if that meant a lot to you, but um, the infrastructure would not reinforce the idea that being a man is the complete opposite of being a woman and never the twain shall meet. So, yeah, so I think people, I can't say if people will be, you know, Hermaphrodites are or a gender, but I think the the dream would be that um, people can be what they want to be, and that those things are not materially, <laughs> physically uh, enforced
1: by outside
2: structures. Yeah.
1: So Nicole, in the middle of this of this glittery, I kinda feel the urge to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and I kinda I'm seeing something here. You know, I'm seeing a label in this bathroom and says photosynthesis. Uh, shower rooms. It's it, and it, it it has a sign of a sun, and it seems. I don't know. This is this is a uh, door. It may we may open it. We may not open it. Right? It seems we can do photosynthesis, and that takes us to our next part, like food. What's up? Uh, what's happening with food? Actually, do we actually do that? Do I need to go to the bathroom in this future, <laughs> or <laughs> where do I get my food from? Maybe I actually can do photosynthesis. Maybe these queer beings are not only gender or sex. Uh, like unique beings, but also we are like assemblages of different species and we may actually have chlorophyll in our body. We're kind of greenish now that I I look my own skin and I may be able to do some photosynthesis. What do you think about this? Like, Have you thought about food, queerness and the future? (laughs)
2: Yes, I have. I haven't thought about photosynthesis since probably sixth grade, um, where we had to do a project on it. Um, you're reminding me of um, there's a another theorist. I'm just I'm just name dropping today. What can I say? Um, Kate Sandylands, who's uh, was really one of the pioneers of uh, of queer ecologies and she's um doing this project now I saw a, a MLA paper she gave about um these narratives in which um women turn into plants as a way to sort of escape um patriarchal abuse for various reasons um and I'm trying to think if she talks about photosynthesis but there's um yeah I'm trying to think of the 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 reasons why Like, the plant is very, like, responsive. The plant is very flexible. Um, The plant, obviously, is connected to ideas of vegetarianism and veganism as opposed to sort of meat-eating regimes, which are tied up with toxic masculinity, as I was kind of suggesting earlier. Um, Yeah, I would have to... I'm very curious to know if she's thought about photosynthesis with that. And is is photosynthesis a feminist, a queer feminist (laughs) process in some way? I have no idea. I'm not prepared to speak about that yet. But... um, yeah, and actually, I'm really interested in um, in queerness and food. I'm working on um, uh, a writer right now named um, Tommy Pico, who's um, indigenous, and he has a, a whole sort of like um, an ode to junk food that's called junk. And um, he's sort of, um, but junk also is a play on um So like junk as in junk food, junk as in trash, but also junk as in genitalia. So this idea of like men's junk, I don't know if that's a a (laughs) slang, if there's a version of that slang where you're you're from. But um, yeah, and sort of thinking about the ways in which like sex and food are um, intersecting and and the ways that different foods get sort of um, coded and related to, like he talks a lot about... um, sort of like bitchy gay white men who, you know, go to brunch and they, you know, talk about being paleo or they talk about eating kale and sort of, <laughs> the, and that kind of connects to sort of like these, um, like unfair regimes of like body shaming within white gay male cultures or whatever. So short answer is yes. I've been thinking a lot about, um, the connection of, of food and queerness and, um, but also like food and climate change, right? And how we're going to be eating a lot of jellyfish apparently in the future because um, there's going to be a lot of jellyfish and <laughs> we're going to need to do something with them. Um, so yeah, um, we need to work on a menu of queer future food that is responsive to climate change um, and that doesn't reproduce a sort of colonial <laughs> um, white... Uh, tropes of fitness and, and
1: whatnot. So, yeah, we need we need a new menu. Now that I'm, I'm thinking uh, and looking at us, I see us uh, fairly greenish. It seems actually we are able to do some photosynthesis. Um, but at the same time, it seems that uh, the energy in this strange city, this strange future city, I see some really big green structures as well, um as green towers which maybe also be able to give us some uh, energy source. For example algae as a source of energy, like slapes, algae slaves to feed our societies. Well um I, w- I was gonna go in a different
2: direction when you were talking about these these green structures and I was thinking about like go um, you want <laughs> Well you know these like I, I I have just like this image from like I don't know the '90s, and I'm trying to remember if I like saw it on a TV show or if it was like you know just somehow in the media. But um, people that were like powering their houses through their treadmills, um, so like they could only watch TV like when they were on the treadmill, for example, right? Like d- running in their basement or their living room or whatever, and they weren't allowed to. They wouldn't allow allow, allow themselves to watch TV if they weren't. the treadmill anyway so i was just thinking that these these green structures are powered by like dancing or dance parties right so um i think we definitely need some queer dance parties to to create our energy um and then i was also thinking about this is maybe it's related to what the green structures look like but um going back to what you were saying before like uh, sort of um like david cronenberg like um, images of the future are always, um, or not always. They're often very like sleek, right? It's very like streamlined. Like everything's very simple. Like I don't know. You see these like images of the future where people are just like wearing like you know simple like uh, tunics or something like that. And so my vision, because we have all this glitter, right? Is um, that there's a lot of decoration. There's a lot of clutter. It's not a streamlined future. It's more like, it's a little bit Blade Runner, like where you have like all the like markets and there's like kind of, you know, chaos and stuff. But um, yeah, I think it's bright. I think it's um, cluttered in like a cozy, (laughs) cozy way. Uh, Sparkly, dancey. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm...
1: You know what's interesting? Because now that you mentioned these uh, parties, I don't know exactly where the energy comes from, but it seems these parties are generating energy. And we are we are actually now in middle of the party. I know we teletransported from the bathroom to the parties, and actually I I see lots of beings, but I'm not sure. The I I don't really care. I am not sure if they are men or women. Like that that we passed that by some uh, centuries ago. But then I'm I'm wondering how many of them are actually human. And now I see some of them like wielding some strange structures, like um, how you call these things that beetles have on their backs in oh, English. Like a shell? <laughs> like a shell. I'm the worst biologist ever. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> and they seem, to me, very cockroach-like. Um, it seems, because I'm now rema- rem- remembering uh, that I we, when we were walking through these loops and spirals, I don't know how the fuck did we get here, <laughs> among all this that <laughs> chaos in the streets, we actually saw some ads, you remember? And some of them were like... Unite to the cockroaches. Um, It seems there is a trendy movement where people are uh, gene modifying themselves to develop these shells, and it's actually a trend. Uh, Like, cockroaches are kind of a thing now, and I see all at the same time people like with stripes on their skin and like fur, and like I'm not sure if if these people are actually humans that uh, were gene modified or that were born like that. And I'm wondering how much of this is actually being queer, like, not only uh, queering your um, male-female um, male, binarism, but also human-non-human binarism. I don't know if you are also seeing some stuff here with me. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I mean, that's something that I think a lot, of. I always teach this... Um, played by Edward Albee where a man falls in love with a goat and then we have to have some interesting conversations about why why can't you fall in love with a goat um yeah so I mean I'm interested in how these um uh, how these hybridities come about right Have they come about in in just ways or unjust ways or um adaptive ways or maladaptive ways and you know, what have we learned about communication and consent that might require, uh, might be required for these uh, sort of hybridities, so, um, but maybe I shouldn't ask how, how it happened, maybe I just, you know, (laughs) just drop into this cockroach, half cockroach, half human world, and go from there, but, um, yeah, I'm thinking about if the cockroach shell would have any, like, advantage in, in the dance party, you know, like, Doing some like, I'm thinking about like Teenage Ninja Turtles, like um, uh, break
1: dancing, and you know.
2: But anyway, I can see it, I can see it.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe this strange future, this queer future, actually is a non planned future. It's a, it's a it's spontaneous future that's happening, and in that sense, it's interesting that utop- my utopia may be your dystopia, like you were saying. These people cockroaches people, they're pretty strange, like, this may all be possible in this strange future, um, why not? So, I think we are approaching the end and I would like for you to, after all this ride, to, to show us the exit room. Is there an exit room to this <laughs> madness or, or are we just leaving the way? <laughs> I think if there's an
2: exit, it's definitely a slide, you, sl- <laughs> you slide out of this situation. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a candy land kind of shoots and ladders yeah board game situation so yeah you exit with style that's all that's all i know <laughs> yeah. maybe the slide goes up maybe it goes down maybe. um yeah i mean i think the the thing you said about um dystopia and utopias. um i don't know I, I think about that meme a lot that like um i don't know if you've seen this but it's uh, it was meant to be sort of getting back at liberal or progressive people. And some conservative person in the U.S. posted in it and said something like, "This is the future liberals want." And it's a picture of a subway in New York where there's a, a drag queen sitting next to a, a Muslim woman with with hijab. And then people are like, "Yeah, looks good," you know. So like this, like yeah. So the very same thing. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's all it's all relative, it's all contingent, so yeah, yeah. But this was really
1: fun. You pushed me to be more creative than I. So, uh, I thank you and I invite you to use this amazing slide uh, glowing, a greenish, bluish cyanobacteria glowing slide that's going to take us with style outside this party to a beach, I know, and then we may just like off the record, keep chatting and thanks all the people that are hearing, if somebody is actually hearing. <laughs> I hope so, um, yeah. Yeah. This, this is good,
2: this is good.
1: Thanks Nicole, um, glad to have you in this uh, Earthcast and hope to see you in another dimension. Excellent.